Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Good Wednesday morning. We've got breaking news. Ian growing to an extremely dangerous Category 4 overnight, now closing in on Florida. And millions already starting to feel the impact. It is September 28th. This is today. Collision course. Ian's outer bands now lashing southern Florida. Conditions there rapidly deteriorating this morning. Rain set to be measured in feet. Winds of up to 155 miles an hour. A dangerous storm surge expected to bring catastrophic flooding. The governor with one final evacuation plea. You need to get to higher ground. You need to get to structures that are safe. We are live across the storm zone this morning with complete coverage. Breaking overnight, sabotage, mysterious leaks in key natural gas pipelines from Russia to Europe, causing the Baltic Sea to bubble. Just ahead, why authorities are suspicious it's tied to the war in Ukraine and the investigation now underway. Help wanted the nationwide teacher shortage even more dire than predicted. More than half of public schools now understaffed. They're seeing more students. There's more of a workload. From teachers to students and parents, the impact being felt from coast to coast. Major breakthrough, a new Alzheimer's drug found to slow the progression of the disease. The encouraging results giving new hope to millions of families straight ahead. All that plus Anthony Bourdain's final days coming to light in a new biography what the beloved star's last texts are revealing. Today, Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. And it's good to have you with us on this Wednesday morning. We are going to get right to that top story. All eyes on Ian. That monster storm is growing. It's grown overnight. It's now a category four hurricane. Yeah, it's been a difficult night this morning. The storm's outer bands are already wreaking havoc in parts of Florida. This video you're seeing right there is from the Keys, and it's showing fluttering, flooding already from that dangerous and much feared storm surge. Officials across the state, they're warning of life threatening conditions, including catastrophic winds, flooding, even tornadoes. Those conditions now expected to hit earlier and farther south than initial forecasts. Well, we are all over this full coverage, including important tips that everybody should know about keeping devices charged during power outages. But let's start this morning with NBC senior national correspondent Carrie Sanders. He is in the thick of it in Punta Gorda this morning. Carrie, good morning to you. Well, good morning. Yeah, the emergency management officials here have said folks who have not evacuated, it's really too late to get out on rain slick roads with the winds picking up. We have not seen even the tropical force 
power winds, but we do know that they're coming. The authorities say that one of their greatest concerns, in addition to the wind and the flying debris that comes with it, is where I'm standing is about two blocks from the Peace River, which connects at the top right there to Charlotte Harbor. And they fear that the wind at 140 miles an hour is going to push the water up into Charlotte Harbor, into the Peace River, and where I'm standing could well be underwater because I'm so close, only two blocks away. So that water predicted to be 10 to 12 feet, so twice as tall as I am right here standing right now. So the authorities say for those who did not evacuate, they need to make sure that they have a plan to get to high ground if they're too close to these areas. And at this point, hunker down because it's coming. And all indications are, and we'll let Al sort of figure this out for us at the end, but with 140 mile hour winds and an eye wall that may cross right over here, where I'm standing may not look like this in a day. Guys? Be safe there, Carrie. Thank you very much. We actually have NBC meteorologist Bill Karens. He's in for Al. This thing has switched paths. It's now heading straight for the Fort Myers area. Tell us what we have. Yeah, good morning. I mean, this is about as serious as it gets. Almost a Category 5. I can't believe we're doing this all over again. Uh, you know, we had Michael that was a 5 that made landfall. This is close to that. This is going to be a multi-billion dollar weather disaster. There's going to be houses and towns and communities that won't look the same for months and maybe even years to come in some areas. So let's get you the the latest. You can see the well-defined eye, and it's a huge eye, too. It's like 40 miles wide. So this is going to be like a 40-mile-wide tornado moving on shore. I mean, that's how strong the winds are, like a EF3 tornado is what we'd call it. That's about 150, 155 mile-per-hour winds, and that's why we're telling everyone, you know, hopefully it's too late now. A lot of the city services says they're not going to go and do an answer 911 calls anymore because the destruction is beginning as the hurricane force winds are now moving on shore. So moving to the northeast at 10, 155 mile-per-hour winds. We think we're going to get that landfall as we go throughout the afternoon, somewhere just north of Port Charlotte, north of Fort Myers. This is Charlotte Harbor here in the Bay Area. That is where we're going to see the water flowing in. That's where we could see extreme high tides. And then the storm will weaken later on tonight. So all of the worst winds, Sarasota to Naples with Fort Myers in the middle of all that. All the worst storm surge will be south of that. Then we'll weaken this storm as we go through tonight and tomorrow. This is the biggest concern, though. We're now up to 12 to 18 feet feet for the prediction for the worst storm surge area. So if the storm goes northwards here and makes landfall near Rotunda there, we could see all of these areas here from Punta Gorda all the way south, Captiva, Sanibel, all of Cape Coral could be underwater. I mean, almost all of the city is possible underwater, including a good chunk of Fort Myers. This is Interstate 75. If you've ever driven down the west side of Florida, the water could go nine miles inland all the way there to Interstate 75. So incredible water problems there, too. Now let's go to Sam Brock, who's riding out the storm for us in Sarasota. Yeah, Bill, thank you. You know, you can understand the urgency from Governor Ron DeSantis to try to get some three million Floridians out of the evacuation zones. The question right now, how many of them actually left? Hopefully many. But for those who are deciding to ride it out, as you said, Bill, 12 to 18 foot storm surge, that would be more than double what this region has ever seen before. This morning, Hurricane Ian, a major threat, approaching historic levels, pounding the Florida Keys with soaking rains and fierce winds. There were also a number of reported tornadoes in Florida overnight, knocking down trees and damaging small planes at a local airport. On Tuesday, President Biden promising federal support, sending some 700 FEMA workers to potential disaster zones ahead of the storm. Simultaneously warning residents to take Hurricane Ian seriously. Forecasts can change, but for now, the experts say this could be a very severe hurricane. 
life-threatening. Earlier this morning, Florida's governor warning those in the path. It's no longer possible to safely evacuate. Uh, It's time to hunker down and prepare for this storm. Despite repeated warning to evacuate in Gulfport, these buses meant to transport hundreds of seniors going largely unused. This will all be underwater. Volunteers telling us they were hoping to pick up 200 people, but only transported a few dozen. Thank you for coming and getting me. Among them, 91-year-old Elizabeth Hartman, who ultimately agreed to go, worried her roof might collapse. Elizabeth, were you on the fence about whether or not you were going to evacuate? I was. I was so afraid. Either way, I didn't know what to do. A lot of people have that idea that they can just going to wait and see what's going to happen. Um, And that's the problem, because if they wait to see, we won't be able to help them. And it's not just seniors refusing to leave. Going viral online, some Florida residents adamant about riding out the storm. Our family lives right outside of Tampa, and we have decided to hunker down. For the people who are not from Florida, right, I got these big old windows. I don't know if they're going to hold up. But most are taking the warnings to heart. Major roadways have been jammed for the last 24 hours. And Tampa's airport completely shut down operations at 5 p.m. Tuesday. It was nerve-wracking. I literally got the last flight for the day. You're counting your lucky stars right now. I really am. Now, not to be ignored in all this potential record-shattering rainfalls, we're looking on the I-4 corridor between Tampa and Orlando, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 inches of rain in localized spots, maybe more than that. To put this for a frame of context, that's like getting two to three months' worth of rain in two to three days. So that's just one element of the potentially catastrophic consequences of Hurricane Ian. One silver lining to all of this, if there is any. I want to lay out sort of the the population situation that we're looking at right now. We're in Sarasota County here in Sarasota. If you look at Charlotte County, which is potentially where this bullseye is going to be, about a million people, give or take, in that area, as opposed to Tampa, as we see the Skyway Bridge there, Tampa has a population of about three and a half million people. So if you're just talking about strictly the population density, this is a better case scenario than that going directly into Tampa. But there is no question that lives are going to be changed. These are communities in Southwest Florida that so many people look to retire to. They come to enjoy themselves and and just enjoy the beautiful life here. It's going to look completely different in 48 hours. Savannah, let me send it back to you. Sam, thank you very much. Joining us now, Liz Bello Matthews. She's the public information officer for the city of Fort Myers. Liz, it's good to see you this morning. We know that the storm took a jog. It was headed toward Tampa. It switched gears and started coming directly for you guys in Fort Myers. Um, evacuation orders came. Did people have enough time to react and to get out and have people listen to those orders? Well, we believe that they do. Uh, we have been telling them to evacuate. And before uh, issuing the mandatory evacuation, we did issue a voluntary one for certain areas uh, within Fort Myers and our neighboring communities. So we do hope that they um, have taken us up on the offers for our shelters, which are um, currently still open. So there's still a little bit of time for our residents to find shelter and stay safe. Liz, we, I mean, I'm sure you are watching the forecast mm-hmm. even more closely than we are here. What is concerning you at this mm-hmm. hour? What are you most worried about? Well, we're, we're concerned about the storm surge. Uh, that is uh, that is the component of the storm that I think has us the most nervous. But we have been monitoring the storm for you know a really long time, and we are continuing to do that today. As you can see, I'm, an, I'm at our EOC center mm-hmm. where we have pretty much 
all first responders pretty much ready. Um, but, you know, the, the, the concern is that when the winds go up to 45 miles an hour, you know, and they sustain at that level, we can no longer go out into the community and provide help if needed. So that's essentially what, you know, is concerning us, that we would not be able to go out and provide the help that people need in, in a moment of emergency. Well, the storm surge apparently, Liz, is hitting at high tide, which is like the perfect storm, something you do not want to happen. There are going to be people who don't listen or who, for whatever reason, decided to stay put. If they have power, what's their advice? What's your advice for them? What should they be doing? Well, we are hoping that everyone has gone ahead and put up their shutters, which is normal practice here in Florida. You know, everyone does do that. We do know that the community went out and loaded up on food, on water, on medication. So we are pretty confident that they have taken those steps. Uh, so at this point, we're hoping that they are in a safe place. If they are not yet in a safe place, that they can go to a safe shelter, which we are offering throughout the entire Lee County area. You know, so um, just find shelter stay there, try to get off the streets, and um, let's wait and see what happens and, and be ready to respond. Yeah. Fort Myers PIO, Liz Bello-Matthews. Liz, our thoughts and prayers are with you guys there in Florida. Thank you for being with us. And uh, stick around with us. We're going to have the very latest on Ian throughout the morning. A lot of people have loved ones, friends, family who live in Florida and want to keep track. And we'll have that across all platforms of NBC. Lester Holt, he'll be live from Florida tonight on NBC Nightly News. Yeah, in the next few hours, we'll get more new information Mm -hmm. on the storm's track. Mm -hmm. We'll bring it right to you. Also breaking overnight, what could mark a volatile new phase in Russia's war in Ukraine. Four Russian-controlled sections of Ukraine voting in what the U.S. and the West calls a sham referendum to join Russia. And this happening amid a deepening mystery now over a now leaking gas pipeline from Russia to Europe. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin following the story this morning. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, Savannah. While Ukrainian forces push the Russians out of the city, Kharkiv is still under attack. Overnight, three ballistic missiles striking critical infrastructure in the heart of the city. And then you have scenes like this from prior bombings, constant reminders that the Russians aren't far away. Meanwhile, this morning, both sides of the conflict are screaming sabotage. This morning, along major Russian gas pipelines to Europe, clear signs of sabotage, according to European leaders. Following reports of underwater explosions and multiple leaks along the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines. Ukrainian leaders blaming Russia for an act of aggression designed to cause pre-winter panic. While Russian state media pointed to outside involvement. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan tweeting about apparent sabotage, noting an investigation into the leaks is ongoing. Meanwhile, in Russian-occupied areas, polls are closed, bringing the Kremlin, the West says, one step closer to illegally annexing 15 percent of Ukraine. Russian state media claiming over 90 percent voted to join the Russian Federation. Results Ukrainians are calling a sham. This is the backlash over President Putin's draft continues, with mile-long lines of cars stopped at border crossings. Those who can afford it are leaving aboard private jets. In Russia, uh, every day you can get uh, maximum 15 requests, maybe 100 requests. How many requests are you getting now? Between 1,000 and 2,000. In the destroyed Ukrainian town of Izum, the aftermath of the kind of violence tens of thousands of Russian men are hoping to escape. 
A resident tells me one night the missiles were raining down on this area. They struck her car parked just outside in the yard. The engine went flying. You can see it right there lodged into the side of her house. At a checkpoint just outside the town, nine-year-old Anya gives a Ukrainian soldier a drawing. How does this make you feel? We understand who we need to defend, he says. Children are the most precious. And you can see the child's play set outside this bombed out apartment building. It's clear children were living here and children have been hit hard in this war. According to Ukrainian officials, nearly 1,200 children have been either killed or injured during the course of the conflict. And UNICEF says that number is likely much higher. Hoda. That is horrifying. All right, Aaron McLaughlin for us there in Ukraine. Aaron, thank you. Quarter after, let's turn to Craig and a big issue plaguing schools mm-hmm. this morning. Yes, Savannah Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. We focused on this a lot in the buildup to the new school year. Districts from coast to coast grappling with an alarming shortage of teachers. And apparently the need is more urgent than first realized. NBC Stephanie Gosk is here with some details this morning. Hey, Steph. Hey, Craig, good morning. You know, students are finally back in classrooms, but many schools don't have the teachers and staff they need to get the job done. Brand new numbers from the Department of Education suggest those shortages at the start of the school year are even worse than feared. School bells are starting to sound like alarm bells in districts across the country. More than half of the public schools surveyed by the Department of Education said they were starting the school year understaffed. There is an urgent need for teachers math and science, ESL, special education. In Louisiana, they need 2,500 teachers across the state. We need to be having conversations with our teachers every day and asking them, what are the factors that are prompting you to leave the profession? Always a tough job. Teaching was especially difficult during COVID. Do you think the pandemic drove some good teachers out of the job? Yes. The after effects of the pandemic, the having to do all the old and all the new without any kind of help. That's what's been driving people out of the profession now. Some teachers chose early retirement, says a union leader in Massachusetts. I've talked to several retirees who wouldn't have retired if if it hadn't been such a challenge to work. One district in New Jersey needs an influx of special education teachers. It puts more pressure on the existing teachers that we have because they're seeing more students, there's more of a workload. To retain those still on the job, some districts have gone down to a four-day week, like in DeKalb, Texas. It's buying me um, some of that family time back that used to be consumed with school tasks. But that reduces time students spend in class. So filling teacher vacancies remains the focus. We need to uh, reconsider. Um, opportunities for people to enter into the teaching profession. Arizona is hiring college students. In Florida, there is a call out to veterans. Among the problems, fewer college graduates are choosing teaching as a profession. The best way to get new people into the profession is to respect the profession because there's a lot of people who want to make a difference in the lives of children. The Department of Education announced $60 million in new grants to help address the teacher shortage money that can be used for badly needed development programs. They need to get kids out of school and 
into this profession. Got to pay yeah. teachers more. Yeah, That's definitely. Part, all right. All right. All right thank you, Steph. We're going to check in once again with Bill Karens. Bill, you've covered every hurricane for the last 18 years. You know a thing or two about these. What's happening down there? In yeah, well, water scary. We touched on the storm surge. We touched on the winds. But we are under a high risk of flash flooding. This hasn't happened in five years from the Orlando to Tampa areas. We are expecting widespread, life-threatening flash flooding throughout this region where we could see upwards of two feet of rain in the next two days. Again, that's everywhere in this thing. That does include the landfall location down there around Fort Myers also. And here's the rainfall forecast. Everywhere you see here, and there's a maroon-type color, that's at least 10 inches, isolated up to about two feet. Obviously, we're going to see water in places that we've never seen in areas of central Florida as we go throughout the day today and through tonight. And we're also getting new storm surge forecasting from the National Hurricane Center. We'll be bringing that to you in the next 15 minutes. We look forward to all this up-to-date information on this storm. Bill, thank you. Uh, Coming up, new details on the life and final days of the late Anthony Bourdain. We'll take a closer look at a new biography revealing the beloved star's last text messages. And then with Hurricane Ian now pounding Florida, Carrie Sanders with important tips for keeping your devices charged when the power goes out, including a new innovation that's being put to the test now for the very first time during this storm. But first, this is Today on NBC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back 730. It's a Wednesday morning. All eyes on Hurricane Ian. Now nearly a Category 5 storm as it is barreling toward Florida. This is a live look at Tampa. It was once forecast to hit Tampa right there, but it ended up jogging a little bit south. Things have shifted overnight. And now it's Fort Myers, Sarasota, that whole southwestern coast Mm -hmm. of Florida in the crosshairs. Let's Mm -hmm. go right to NBC. Sam Broth. He is riding out the storm in Sarasota. Sam, good morning. Savannah Hoda, good morning. Look, this is the reason that you heard the level of urgency that you did from Governor DeSantis, from President Biden, about people leaving this area. Two and a half to three million Floridians, 11 different counties, guys, or about a sixth of all the counties in the entire state of Florida to get out of their evacuation zones and go to safer ground because of this 
possible scenario. We're now looking at sustained winds, at least the projections. It could be 155 miles an hour. That is right on the verge of a Category 5 storm. We are talking about communities here in southwest Florida where the entire topography might change in 24 or 48 hours. You look at the historical precedent here, guys. The last time we saw a Category 5 storm make landfall would have been Hurricane Michael. That was back in 2018. Before that, it was Hurricane Andrew in 1992. After Andrew struck, Florida, South Florida, was never the same. So right now, people are bracing for what could lie ahead. We're looking again, 155 mile an hour storms. When you talk about what can that do to a home, it can rip the roof right off of well-built houses, pull away exterior walls. So if you're right in that 30 to 50 mile an hour stretch of land, or 30 mile stretch, I should say, you wanna make sure you're in a secure, fortified location as this makes landfall. Now, if there's any sort of silver lining to any of it, Port Charlotte appears to be the bullseye right now. If you're looking at the counties of Charlotte, Lee, Sarasota County, where I am, the population in total, a million to a million and a quarter million people. Earlier, we were hearing Tampa might get hit. That's more like three to three and a half million people. So not quite as dense in terms of population centers. But we saw for days the fact that they were allowing people to drive on the shoulders of highways, dropping tolls just to get as many people out of this area as possible. And I gotta tell you, I was in Gulfport in Pinellas County yesterday talking to folks who are senior citizens there. We know that it's Florida, it's an older population. Many of them were saying they're worried about their medications, they're worried about their pets. What will the shelter situation look like? Some 170 or 80 of them available throughout the area and they didn't wanna go. And now many folks right now are just holding their breath for what could potentially put in Savannah, be a historic incident. We'll be here all day and the days to come. Yeah. I'll send it back to you. All right, Sam, thank you very much. And we are expecting an update on the yeah. track that yeah. intensified dramatically overnight, as we said, now creeping up on a Category 5 mm -hmm. yeah. storm. We'll get that update uh, about 30 minutes from now. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, uh, on this Wednesday morning, more than four years after the tragic loss of Anthony Bourdain, a controversial, unauthorized biography is shedding some new light on the famed travel and food writer's life and his final hours. Yeah, today's senior international correspondent Keir Simmons has more on that. Hey, Keir, good morning. Hoda, Savannah Craig, good morning to you. Anthony Bourdain was such a beloved figure around the world. And since his death two years ago, we're now learning more about his personal struggles and his final days. It's being billed as the first book to tell the true and full Bourdain story, with an inside look at Bourdain's last days before he took his life. Charles Learson, the author of Down and Out in Paradise, says he used files, texts and emails from Mr. Borden's phone and laptop, as well as more than 80 interviews to write the book. If I've written an unauthorized biography, I've also written a sympathetic one, and I've written one I think that's true to the man. The book chronicles Bourdain's life from childhood to international celebrity, but highlights in particular his final days with the emotional turmoil over the end of his relationship with Italian actress Asia Argento, including what Learson says was the final text exchange between Argento and Bourdain. Bourdain, I'm okay. I'm not spiteful. I'm not jealous that you've been with another man. I do not own you. You are free. As I said, as I promised, as I truly meant, but you were careless, you were reckless with my heart, my life. Bourdain, is there anything I can do? Argento, stop busting my... Bourdain, okay. That evening, Bourdain hanged himself in a hotel in France. I think in his last days, he worked himself into a state of exquisite misery. It was a tragic end to the story of a beloved and complicated public figure. A new documentary this summer and the book now sparking renewed interest in the magnetic chef.
Bourdain had created an almost cult-like following with his adventures in travel and food. His CNN show, Parts Unknown, made him a household name. But for a regular guy from New Jersey, it was a position of discomfort. According to the book, in a text to his ex-wife, who was one of his closest friends, Bourdain wrote, I am lonely and living in constant uncertainty. Struggles with addiction and depression were also a constant threat. Learson says Bourdain's last few days were a microcosm of his life, working around the clock and battling personal demons that followed him throughout his extraordinary career. This is an unauthorised biography, and members of Bourdain's family and inner circle have disputed some accounts, even writing to the publisher asking for it not to be published. Simon & Schuster is on record stating they stand by the publication. We reached out to Asia Argento, Bourdain's ex-wife, and multiple friends, but they all declined to comment. Learson has said that Bourdain's ex-wife, who manages his estate, has not pushed back against the book, guys. Uh, So it makes you wonder how the author was able to get those text messages and those documents. It's a good question, Hoda. Learson told the New York Times that he got that material from Bourdain's phone and laptop from a confidential source. He says both of those are part of Bourdain's estate. As we mentioned, the estate hasn't commented. But regardless, Hoda, it's certainly revealing. It it is. All right. Keir Simmons for us there in London. Keir, thank you. All right. Still ahead, guys, a potential breakthrough in the treatment of Alzheimer's. What all families coping with the disease need to know about a new drug. It's showing a lot of promise. First, though, Kerry Sanders is live in the storm zone down in Florida where Hurricane Ian is is putting a new innovation during power outages to the test. Right, Kerry? Absolutely. We know millions will be without electricity after the hurricane passes through. If you own an EV, an electric vehicle, well, that could be a problem. But interestingly, also a solution. We'll explore that coming up. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. The UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. We're back with today's Consumer Confidential. We're taking a live look here. The worsening conditions uh, along Florida's Gulf Coast. This, by the way, the Sunshine Skyway Bridge that's into Tampa. Hurricane Ian inches closer to landfall expected to hit uh, early afternoon. A given in a storm this powerful was, of course, the loss of electricity. We've already seen Ian cause that nationwide blackout in Cuba. And power companies across Florida are now bracing for some long days ahead. Yeah, NBC senior national correspondent Kerry Sanders in Punta Gorda this morning, where Ian could provide the first ever test of a new way to run your home when the power goes out. Kerry, good morning. 
Well, good morning. Look, anybody who owns an electric vehicle, often called an EV, understands what's called range anxiety. You can only drive so far before you need to recharge. So in a hurricane where there's going to be massive power outages, that is a problem. But interestingly, some EVs may actually offer a different kind of solution. Mass evacuations as Hurricane Ian approaches can mean getting stuck in standstill traffic while still trying to escape the storm. And hitting the road with an electric car can come with added challenges. Florida alone has 200,000 EVs on the road, with that number expected to double by 2030. Some require recharging every 150 to 200 miles. The trip from Tampa to Miami would require at least one approximate 40-minute stop to charge. On that route, there were only a handful of so-called fast chargers for non-Teslas, like Anthony Grandy's car. This car that I have would have a problem. Um, The infrastructure is not quite up to where it needs to be. Without more chargers, electric car drivers could find themselves stranded on the road. There is a fear factor out there. That's the one thing that comes up when people ask about the vehicle itself is, don't you fear going, you know, on a long trip? There are plans to build a national network of charging stations in the infrastructure law signed last year. But they won't come as quickly as the hurricane. Still, electric also means new solutions on the horizon. It looks like any other truck, but with the storm bearing down, this all-electric Ford F-150 is facing its first real-world test at this home in Babcock Ranch, Florida. If Hurricane Ian knocks out power here... With the truck's power cable connected, all that's needed is one throw of a switch. And now? Now the house is powered off the truck. That simple. That simple. As we watch, the power takes but seconds to engage. You can power your house for three to ten days. That's huge. Did you say ten days? uh, Three to ten days, yes. It's just the latest effort to make this community more resilient in the face of climate change. Babcock Ranch gets most of its power from a 700,000-panel solar farm. I see the panels powering the house, the house powering the car, and eventually the car powering the house. Meanwhile, another charging challenge, cell phones, essential to staying in touch during a storm. Keeping them charged can be life-saving. Some useful hurricane tips, an external battery, or a laptop to charge a phone. Make sure it's topped off. Use the low-power mode. Skip battery drains like phone calls, online games, and social media. Texting is your best way to stay in touch. Carrie, back to those electric vehicles. Obviously, you know, we all know what to do when your car runs out of gas. But if you are an electric car owner, what do you do if you run out of power in a situation like this? Well, and especially if the charging stations themselves have no power. Florida Power and Light is the major utility in the state of Florida. They are right now working on having mobile units. They're not deployed yet, but having mobile units so they could respond to charge somebody up, as well as having some battery packs at those charging stations. So if there's no power, there's a battery to then transfer it to your car. But this is all a work in progress, and it's estimated by the year 2025 in Florida, one in four cars sold will be electric. So with hurricanes always part of Florida, a definite concern.
guys. Yeah, the infrastructure's got to catch up with that yeah. then, Carrie. Thank you very much. Could you imagine people evacuating in bumper-to-bumper traffic in an electric car? You just got to hope you're like, yeah. fully charged up. Yes, that exactly. range anxiety is real. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's, t- let's talk to Bill Karens. Bill, all eyes on Ian making its way to Fort Myers. Yeah, well, the National Hurricane Center updated us last hour, told us it's up to 155-mile-per-hour winds. The stronger the winds, the more water it can push and the higher the storm surge will get. So they have updated the forecast for the storm surge, and as expected, it's now even worse. And you you feel for all the people that evacuated these areas wondering if their house is going to be there when they get back. These are worst-case scenarios, but that's probably going to play out south of the landfall. So not everyone is going to reach these high maximums, but it's this area. We are now up to 12 to 16 foot of storm surge possible from Bonita Beach northwards to Inglewood. And everywhere in the middle is Captiva, Sanibel Island, Cape Coral, and Fort Myers. Here's a zoomed-in map. And this is Interstate 75 if you've ever driven down the west coast of Florida. This only goes up to 9 feet. When I saw, when this map goes all the way up to 16 feet, we were talking about the water going all the way over to Interstate 75, nine miles inland. And here's what happens. That's six feet of water. We get the water going up in the houses. We get the wave action on top of that. That's not even included in this. And high tide's not even included in this. When we get that nine feet, the surge goes much further inland, especially in a flat area like Florida. And whole neighborhoods can be destroyed. And again, it's wave action on top of this with the water that's in your area. I mean, Katrina's considered the worst ever storm surge we had in our country. That was 28 feet around Bay St. Louis. We've had other ones like Ike outside the Houston area, which got up to about 18 feet. Uh, We've had other storms like this, but I'm naming storms that were historically just devastating for so many of these areas. So unfortunately, uh, that's what's going to happen as we go throughout this afternoon and tonight. And of course, we'll be getting more updates throughout the morning from the Hurricane Center. Yeah, as you're watching that storm surge, you keep praying that it doesn't hit during high tide. So is it is the storm predicted to hit Florida during its high tide? Uh, like areas like Fort Myers and Port Charlotte, high tides gonna be around six o'clock. And that's going to be very close to the peak high tide. I just saw a map that would have water covering almost all of Cape Coral and about three quarters of Fort Myers. Yeah. So when you're talking high tide, how many feet would mm-hmm. you add on top of the storm surge that it, the storm they don't brought? have dramatic tides there like other places, maybe the East Coast you're familiar with the high High tide goes up about two feet in the Fort Myers area at the peak of high tide. Low tide would take about a foot away from that storm surge. Uh, so we'd maybe possibly add two feet on top of 12 to 16. And you're talking water going into the second level of home. Yeah. So get out. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, you've covered so many of these storms and people always talk about how scary the winds are, but it's really the water. I have a distinct memory of folks during Katrina as the water creeped up to the rooftop, like with axes trying to pound their way out to get on on top. Uh, our government right now is putting resources in Coast Guard to do exactly that and to rescue people yeah. after the storm goes. We want to avoid that. That's why people yeah. have like six hours left. And I so, know the conditions are getting worse. Yeah. But if you can still go. Go. Now's go. the time to go. Ten minutes, we get another update. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, top of the hour. All right. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Coming up. If you struggle to fall asleep and think you've tried everything, don't go anywhere. Yeah, we've brought in an expert, and she's going to debunk some common myths that could be preventing you, especially if you've got teens at home, from getting the best rest possible. Mm. But first, these messages. Jacob's here. Hey, guys. Still ahead on Popstar, huge movie news that Ryan Reynolds just broke. Oh, oh. us. Mila Kunis stopping by live. Her new movie, Luckiest Girl Alive. Mm. It's a good one. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. 
So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.